Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, what is it, March 5th. Oh my God, it's March 5th. I had to write it down so I can keep track of these things. Man. Uh, we've got a beautiful day in Omaha. I've got some guests from out of town. Thanks for coming down, guys. It's great to see everybody. Um, we've got a really fascinating story to talk about today. I think it's a discussion that we've probably had before and many of you have had before and we've, we've heard it before, but it's, it's, it's a fascinating story. It's a, it's a story of... Um, come back you know i mean it's really remarkable and i think um i think everyone will really find it interesting so i'm really looking forward to that first of all i'd like to thank my sponsors as always ccs group custom concrete specialists cheyenne josh and all the folks at ccs thank you guys your support is much appreciated the nebraska department of labor on-site consultation group jim cover and all the consultants down in uh, lincoln well, i guess all over the state thank you jim I do have one observation to make before we get started. Well, let me introduce my guests first, because they might want to contribute to this observation. Um, Brady Weaver, uh, plant manager up at Michael Foods in Wakefield, and his, and his wife, Megan, is with us. <laughs> Thanks for coming, Megan. As I mentioned to Brady, we've never had a chaperone before. <laughs> it's probably time. Somebody's got to keep me in check. Exactly. So. Alex, I, can't, I can't do it. Yeah, that's right. yeah, you don't have the authority to do that, probably. Alex Gray, who's the safety manager at the plant. Uh, Michael Foods Plant in Wakefield, Nebraska. Um, and we've been working together over the last couple of years. Yep, yep. And uh, so I, I've really just been an observer, but it's been a fascinating story, and I wanted to tell that story. But here, here's my observation for this Friday. You probably, you probably get this all the time. When I drive through the bank or I go somewhere and they, they give you that um, happy Friday thing, um, which I, I know is well-intended, but I don't much like you guys – I don't distinguish Thursday from Friday from Saturday from Sunday. Yeah. I mean, every day is a work day for me, just about. I mean, I, I visit facilities during the week, and I do the other stuff on the weekends. Yep. But I haven't had a happy Friday, so to speak, since I left the government <laughs> seven years ago, you know? I don't think we have either, have we, Alex? It's, uh, I, it's pretty much every it's day. every day, us, man. Yeah. I, Absolutely. I usually forget what day it is. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. I don't even keep track. I just know where I have to be today. Yep. I don't know what day that is. So I, I find that really interesting, and I think it – you know, we've been bombarded during this COVID period with um, the new workplace, mm -hmm. the new norm. And I, and I think to myself, there's a lot of us that go to a workplace every day. We don't get, the, we don't get to work from home. Yep. We have to go somewhere and produce something or do something. And there's been a lot of attention paid to the people that work from home. But, yep. and what about the rest of us that have to go somewhere every day? We've kind of been lost in that discussion. Well, and it's, it is a... You know, it can be a challenge when, you know, we work at an operation that runs 24-7. We take Christmas off. That's it. And uh, Alex well knows he gets called a lot during the night. I right. get called. I mean, we're on call all the time, which, yeah. you know, it's important for our people, too. Absolutely. I mean, we really need to be there and be available for them when there is a problem. Absolutely. So. But just the idea of a happy Friday. I mean, I guess I'm, 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 I'm alive, I'm up, yep. I'm, I'm upright, so it is a happy Friday. Anyway, yep. I just thought that well, was... Well, and it's beautiful outside today. It is so. beautiful, yeah, and you guys are in the big city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of Omaha, Nebraska. Very exciting. Very exciting. Well, let's, let's get right to the point. Um, we've been working together now for a couple of years as the result of an incident that occurred at your facility, and I, I, this is a really compelling story to me as an, an observer. I've seen this a few times. Over my career, I've been doing safety for a long time and spent a lot of time with OSHA. And I've seen a few stories like this where there was a, a traumatic, catastrophic incident that led to a change in attitudes and approaches and things. And I, I want this to be a positive message. I don't want to dwell on the negative part of this, but um, Brady, you were there. You were at the plant before the incident. Uh, you were in a different capacity at that time. Can yep. you give us a little backstory about what the plant was like? It probably didn't seem like it was an unsafe plant. Or no, and, and we did. I mean, we it, it wasn't that we didn't have safety policies and procedures and, and, and really did monitor our safety overall. And it, it wasn't a unsafe environment by any means. But, um, you know, when I think about where we are today versus where we were then, I think the thing we were lacking was the real detail around it. It's the, you know, we're almost checking boxes on some things sure. where we're not, we're not taking it to taking it to the floor driving it down it's really you know you're monitoring the number you're you're not you're not getting into the detail of what's really happening in behaviors um you know different things like that on the floor so um so that was 
you know, when when we think about the the incident we had, I mean, it was a very unfortunate um, um, situation, but it was something we were already starting down the road of implementing a new safety process. But I think the the biggest thing for us was was that we weren't we weren't being driven um, to that reason to that end result that we see today. There wasn't a lot of um, leadership at the time buy in. Okay. There wasn't, um, you know, driving it down to the floor and holding people accountable and making them understand they are a part of safety every day. Right. I mean, if if our own people don't believe in it, we're never going to be successful. Right. So um, it didn't have that sense of urgency. Exactly. Probably. Exactly. It was you know I'm coming to work. I'm doing a job and I'm going to do what I got to do to get it done and not really the the safety aspect was secondary sure. to to get the get the work done get the egg out the door. So, yeah, tell everybody what we what, what Yeah, Michael I suppose does. I could do that before would, we yeah, go it's on. A so, it's a fantastic yeah, plan, man. I love so, the plan. Uh, yeah, yeah, Michael Foods in Wakefield. Um, Alex and I um, work at the Wakefield complex in town. We're the processing plant. Um, at Wakefield's actually, we have a farm operation and a processing operation, but we're over the, the uh, town complex where we process all co- eggs in every way that you can imagine. We do liquid egg, frozen egg, hard-cooked eggs. Um, I, I know that when you come down, Doug, you see more eggs than you've probably oh, ever man. seen in your life. So I, I'm actually <laughs> keeping you guys in business to some extent. I, I, I eat a lot of eggs. I love yeah. eggs. So. And, and, you know, people ask us all the time, you know, how do you even eat egg after working there? <laughs> right. I love eggs, and I love breakfast. I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I cooked eggs last night for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. You know? I mean, they're a cheap protein source, oh, and they're delicious. Man. You can eat them in all kinds of ways. So it is kind of, a, you know, when you think about, the egg industry it's a it's a smaller group of of folks really but it's a very important industry mm-hmm. oh in this absolutely country, so and uh, I, I was amazed at different ways eggs are actually processed the first time i came <laughs> to the plant and i'm like you know i get the, the eggs in the in the 12 pack you yeah, know that and yeah. that's kind of what i'm used to so yeah. it's remarkable man to, so to come in and see coolers full of oh, them sitting God. around so yeah that's well, usually something that well, takes so what were you back. doing you were in a different position at the time Yep, and so you were. Uh, I was a I was an operations manager, or okay. uh, just a, uh, a production manager at the time. Okay. So I was over um, a certain part of the facility, not over the entire facility. Okay. So I was over our dried operation, um, and then uh, in 2018 took over the role of uh, of plant manager. At that time, um, we did not have Alex aboard at the time. We brought him on board uh, probably about five months, six months after. I took over. It was like September. Say. Yeah, year. so yeah. about five, six months after I took over, we brought Alex aboard. Um, we needed we needed a lot of help and a lot of guidance. We were not where we needed to be as far as safety uh, was concerned. And we, we had the desire to be there. We knew what we needed to do and where we needed to go. We needed some strong leadership like Alex to help us get to that next level. So, um, you know, like I said, we, we had a lot of challenges over the years. Um, but we had that that honed in focus now in 2018 that okay this isn't going to be acceptable anymore we have to move move forward from yeah there, so and so would you would you mind sharing just a little bit about the incident whatever you're comfortable with dis- yeah, discussing I, I, mean, I, I can a little bit I mean unfortunately it was a fatality I mean we won't go into the details mm-hmm. yeah of it, that's but, fine um, it, it was a very unfortunate uh, situation mm-hmm. where we did lose a longtime team member of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and I don't want, I don't want to sound like, you know, we weren't doing safety prior to that because obviously it's always been a priority of of ours. Um, but it just changes, obviously it changes course very quickly when there is an incident and it's not that we weren't going to get there eventually, but it definitely accelerated that Mm -hmm. path. Mm -hmm. Um, we made a very rapid turnaround, as you well know, you've been involved with us for a couple years now. Um, and it took a lot of leadership and a lot of, a lot of driving force to get people to understand that message. Yeah. And so that's interesting. So I think that's true of a lot of companies that I deal with. They are on the path. They are moving. You know, they know that safety is important. They want it to be part of their culture and they are working toward that end. But Oftentimes, it does lack that urgency necessarily, unfortunately. Yep. You know, I, and, and, you know, that's kind of been the struggle for years and years is 
you know, how do you instill that level of urgency without having to experience something that you would prefer not well, to experience? Well, in one of our messages, I mean, this is something we use in our town hall meetings and everything. Um, anytime we're communicating, we always use safety as the as the initial topic. So any meetings we have or town halls, always the first message is safety. We always We always cover that. And basically the message to our teams always is that, you know what, we need to do two things good. If we do those things right every day, everything else will work out. And that's human safety and food safety for us mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because, uh, I mean, we can injure people just by not making food safe going out the of door. Of course, yeah. So, so our message to our teams are we got to do human safety and we got to do food safety right. We do those two things right every day. We'll worry about making money third. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that's something that I think really resonates with people that when you give okay. that kind of message to them. Uh, well, I think, yeah, and, and without question, in my experience, the, the money will come. I mean, business yep. will yep. flourish if you're doing those other things. Well, and the discipline around safety carries over to, into other aspects of your business if you have the discipline to be able to do safety correctly. Right. So. Well, so, Alex, so you joined the team so, so Brady had become plant manager at that point, and, and I'm sure he was involved in, to some degree in hiring you, or maybe he was gone the day they hired no, you. No, he, he, he was there when I got hired. <laughs> but, he regrets it every day. No, no. So, no I know he doesn't, and I, we're just joking, of course. But So when you arrived, you, you had been working in the safety field prior to arrival, yep. and what did you find, you know, I mean, when so, you arrived, what, um, what so were the deficiencies you noted? I'd been in safety for about 12, 13 years between um, two different manufacturing facilities. Um, when I came in, I saw a lot of drive for safety, but just a lot of – they wanted a lot of things done, but they didn't have that guidance on how to actually accomplish things. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous person out of my job was very controlling, um, I think, to an extent, and we basically had to come in, and a lot of things were missing. Like they had stuff there in place, but a lot of the fundamentals weren't there. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like everything died in a fire or burned up in a fire, and we started over from scratch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, lots of rebuilding, restarting, um, and then trying to get a handle of how, as a company, Michael Foods handles safety. So Michael Foods uses a team-based approach to safety, and that's what they were trying to implement before. Um, but people that are have been in the safety field for a long time – I think there was some hesitation to give up that control to a team-based approach. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was a little bit of a stumbling block. Um, When I got in there, trying to learn the team-based approach and then utilizing it was a little bit of a learning step. But we basically hit the ground running and started doing a lot of changes very quickly. At the same time, understanding, you know, you can't overload somebody. You can't overload a process. Otherwise, people will shut down. Um, it's kind of for a while there, I was kind of like the sham wow guy saying, Hey, we're going to try this out. Here's what it does. Try this out. It works here. Look, it does, you know, trying to sell it a little bit more than just saying here, do this. And so was it incremental like that? I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't fire hose people with this stuff. So obviously you kind of have to just, it was kind of like, uh, okay. The first couple, the first year was a lot of like, okay, where are we at in this list? Let's go through this. We have a safety risk management process that we follow. And it's like, basically, okay, let's start the high hazards. Lockout, tagout, confined space, fall protection, PIT. Mm-hmm. Let's work on those. Okay, we got one done. Next one. Okay, trying to do incremental things quickly to get up to speed. Right. Um, and then kind of the teams that were already in place and utilizing them. Um, our team-based approach is we have – now we have 17 safety teams. Every member of management is a, a leader of a team. And it's kind of nice from a safety standpoint of a lot of places where I worked, you know, you were the safety guy, you did all the safety stuff. And when you have a huge manufacturing facility, you can't be everywhere doing everything. Um, By having decentralized safety teams that manage, one handles compliance, one handles um, environmental, one handles incident investigations, it gives you a check and balance to push off some of that stuff that you would get bogged down with so you can work on big picture items. And also it forces a little bit of ownership into the um, actual management team who also has hourly representation on those teams. Okay. So we try to keep at least about 50% or more um, hourly to salary on those management te- on those safety teams. And so you've got 17 teams and I've actually I've actually interacted with some of those teams when I've been at, on the on the on the property and yep. um, so you break them down by topic or some of them are large, some of them have kind of a broad coverage, some of them do very specific things like you have Teams that are involved specifically in lockout, tagout, and managing that program. Yep. How did you? How did you determine what? 
teams you were going to establish? So this actually comes down from Michael Foods is held by Post Holdings, okay. a holding company, and this is actually a directive from our holding company. Um, so it kind of filters down to us. So this is something they've been doing for years through their acquisitions and through their processes. Um, so it's each location has the ability has to follow this program to an extent. But the nice thing is each location has the ability to customize to their operations. Lots of times in my past, you know, corporate somewhere would push down programs or policies and stuff, but trying to implement them correctly and staying, you know, no changes available was very hard. Here you have, here's the kind of the boilerplate of what you have to follow. You have to meet all this stuff, but as long as you're meeting all this stuff and doing these correctly, you can have some flexibility in how you do it. You can expand either um, more, uh, but you can't go less. Okay. I like that. That's kind of like, I mean, oddly, that sounds kind of like OSHA, truthfully. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as, as much as I hate to say that, but I mean, it kind of outlines where, where we want you to be and you just figure out how to get there. Yep. Um, I love the team concept. You know, I mean, I think without question, if you can engage employees in the process, you're going to get much better buy-in. I mean, that sounds even cliche at this point, but I think it's true. So you have managers running each of these teams. Managers, superintendents, and uh, I think. That's it. That's it. Yeah, managers, okay. superintendent. But it's not just production. It's QA. It's QA manager. It's purchasing manager. It's plant accountant. It's really? superintendent. You let the accountant do this? Yeah. Thing? Oh yeah. Really? There's our our uh, <laughs> sounds dangerous. So um, one of our elements is we call our teams element leads. Um, element teams. So our element sixteen team is um basically kind of like um the. How do you program audit uh, auditing? Yeah. Okay. So they're okay, basically sure. their guidance. Yeah. They have a huge guidance document, and they're supposed to go out and audit each team on certain things to make sure they're getting done every okay. month. So I mean, like one of the things that we're working on right now is the quality of training. So they'll be going to different trainings held by supervisors or managers and doing reviews of how the person's giving the training. Oh, I love that. Wow. Um, they, and who better to have do that? Yeah, than that's like, like, <laughs> that's <laughs> they've, fantastic. They've created <laughs> tracking sheets and mechanisms that I could never come up with, but it's great. It gives you, you know, metrics that we can wow. review as a team. Um, it helps us. And uh, there's a lot of stuff on my plate, and every once in a while I get an email from our plant account and like, hey, uh, you didn't do this, or you need to update yep. this document. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Let's work so, on that right no now. Kidding. So it's... It's so there are each a lot other. of checks yeah. and balances yeah. built into the system. And then um, the nice thing is we have the internal audit team, and then annually we have a external audit from corporate that comes down and does a full three- to four-day audit okay. of our facility through that process. Are, are those useful? Um, yes. Um, they're stressful, yeah, um, but course. they are pretty good. And the good thing is I've been able to do some of these audits for other facilities, so I kind of know what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is um, – there's some – communication so maybe you know maybe the person auditing and i disagree on the process so but there's communication about you know that the nice thing is you have an hourly in there who's agreeing or able to speak articulately about you know why they think this is right you know it's not just them sitting there saying oh yeah we didn't have this there there's that communication like they'll stand up for themselves they have pride in what they've worked on and what they've created mm-hmm. which oh, is yeah. amazing that's huge so so how did so when you guys first got this your management team assembled. Now, where did you start? I mean, if you were talk, if you were talking, well, you're talking to a group of listeners who, and many of them are probably in a situation very similar to you guys prior to this <laughs> this effort. So, and and I met with two new clients this week. Both of them are smaller businesses, but they are just they're they're lost almost. They don't know quite where to start, how to start, uh, how to start engaging employees. How how did you do that? Just well, I, like Alex said, I mean, the, the biggest thing was was we had stuff in place, but we truly had to just start over again. It was really a clean slate. The the um, risk management process that he's talking about, we actually just started with a new file and just started from ground zero again. Now, you know, that's that's our guide, you know. So having a tool like that really helps continue to point you in the right direction. Um, but I think, uh, you know, for a smaller company, the big thing's going to be you've got to get your get all your team on board with mm-hmm. it. That's the first thing's trying to engage. And one of the best things you can do to engage people is show them you care by 
um, follow up and results. Mm -hmm. So um, we like to, we actually have a program where um, individuals can turn in safety concerns and ideas um, to us, whether they report them directly. We actually got to the point we set up an email address um, that goes to Alex and myself and a few others that monitor our action items to make sure that they have, I mean, they might be sitting on their couch at home going, oh, I forgot to tell somebody that you know, this was going on, they can send us an email and tell us about it. Um, you know, so then taking those things and actually doing them and then showcasing them mm-hmm. and saying, listen, we did this because you told us about right. it. I think that's when, and you can disagree, Alex, but I, I think that that's when we started to see a turn in the real ownership mm-hmm. in the plant down to the floor level because we got inundated with stuff when they saw that we were going to fix things. Right. We got inundated with all kinds of ideas. And some of our best ergo ideas actually come from our employees. That's where they come from. Mm-hmm. So it's about that buy-in and, and driving it all the way down to the floor. And then from there, once you have that ownership, you can start expanding on the programs and things. And, like and trust. I mean, yep. obviously, you're, you're kind of reestablishing trust. Yep. I mean, everybody, that, everybody has been through whatever the safety program of the month is, whatever that flavor of the month type yep. of approach is. And, and they see them kind of sputter or fail or just kind of fade away. And so they become somewhat skeptical. How long did it take for you to really establish that level of it trust took, where the employees hey this is for real this yeah time. and it took a while just simply because um we had already been in the risk management process and we're not doing well at mm-hmm. it so it was kind of you know like I said flavor of the month we're supposed to be doing it we're trying our hardest but we're just not getting the buy-in so it did take a little while i think like i said I would say within six to eight months, we started to kind of see that needle move. And a lot of that had to do with Alex coming on board, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and taking it and saying, okay, we've got to run with some things. Uh, Alex loves to run, and I have to slow him down every <laughs> once in a while because we can't <laughs> right, keep right. up with him. Right. But, but, I, I but that's what we want from a safety manager is Absolutely. say, oh, hold on a second. I've got some we got to get everything done. I agree. Um, let's, let's push. And we pushed and pushed for – Two years now, just mm-hmm. pushing hard, and this is the end result. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we got a lot more work to do. Too. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and some of that is actually like when I first came on was pushing, pushing, yeah. trying to push this, but then realizing after a couple months this isn't the right approach. We have to, I have to back off a little bit and make sure that these teams know why we're doing it, explaining what we're doing, and make them push. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, it's really hard for a safety person to give up that, you know, contro- that control. Just like your predecessor, man. I mean, there is, we, we're very territorial. We want to hang on to that. And I, I still have issues to this day with some things. <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, like, okay, I'll write the program, and you can review it. And now I'm like, okay, here's the program. I need you to look at this or, you know, you write it and send it to me, but more of a collaborative effort as opposed to me just trying to keep pushing it down. There's times when you have to do that. Don't get me wrong. Um, But one of the biggest things is turning the safety department from the safety cop slash where everybody hated going to that person to the safety resource. Um, That's the big change is being, I'm like all these teams, I am owner of none of them. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not, I'm a, I am an ad hoc member of all of them, but I don't actually control any of the teams. I am there to provide guidance, support, answer questions, as opposed to just stomping in there saying, this is all wrong, do this stuff. It's more of a, mm-hmm. hey, they come to me with the questions, concerns, or I give them a blueprint, they'll run with it, make it their own. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really big change, even for me still today to give up because I'm not used to that. Yeah, I, I understand that. But I think, and, and I know that people are listening and are saying, uh, I don't know how much time, I mean, how much time are these people devoting to these? What, what, could you tell a little bit about, like, on, per month, what would a team, what, what would a team's activities involve in a month? I mean, they're required they're meeting, to meet at least monthly? once a month. Okay. Um, but most of them actually meet a couple times a month just to keep things moving. And that's up to them. So, so, but the thing is, is a lot of the work doesn't actually happen in the meeting. A lot of the work happens outside of the meeting. It's a group getting together. Okay, these are the tasks. Okay, we've got eight people on the team. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. When we get back next month or next two weeks, whatever, now we're going to see where you're at. What resources do you need? Do you need Alex's help? Do they need funding for something that I need to get involved in? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of things that happen. I mean, we're instilling a lot of trust 
in our leadership team and our safety teams to do the right thing and to um, continue to develop that process. And uh, that's that's where you start to get the buy-in, when you give them the reins and say, you come back to me and tell me what you need to be successful. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and, that, and that's even for me, that stuff. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, I, I mean, I agree with Alex on this. Some of it, you just want to step in and go, why haven't you done this <laughs> right. yet? But they're going, we are, but we ran into this and this, and there was questions. Okay, that's, that's good, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it, it's, it's really neat to go sit in an album meeting or during the audit and hear these teams sit and talk and know everything there is to know about their element. They've actually learned. They've read stuff. They can defend things. It's really neat to sit and listen oh, that's to really them cool. through yeah, that process. Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, so what is your role then now with these teams? I mean, I know neither one of you really is a member of the team. I actually have an element. I element? have okay. element one, and it's the leadership and administration team. Okay. So basically it's the oversight of everything. I'm kind of like Alex, but I do actually have – a team where, um, you know, th- this team goes through one of them is making sure that we're funding projects that need to mm-hmm. happen, making sure that all of our leadership team has the required trainings that they need mm-hmm. to be able to run teams. Um, so there's there's several parts of it. It's not a it's not a difficult element compared to what some of the others are dealing with, um, but but that's the one that I run, and it's actually me and Alex and a couple others. It's a small group okay. that actually runs that one. Nice. So. Okay. Yep. Just overall responsibility yep. for the process. Okay. Yep. So very good. And so, did you get volunteers to be on? I mean, you've assigned a manager, uh, probably based on some of their skill set, I would assume, to a certain team. So how did you get the hourly folks? So for management, we have like one team that's industrial. It's all of our industrial hygiene, all of our chemical monitoring, SDS sheets, PPE assessments. So that's usually always the QA manager because mm-hmm. that's, you know, you're, you're talking about sanitation. They know the how to read data results from industrial hygiene. Um, usually our element review team is usually the plant accountant because they do a lot of that, you know, type of stuff. Um, the other ones are all kind of everywhere. So we have a group that's group promotion. That's our group promotion and communication newsletters, making sure bulletin boards have the right stuff on it, the required stuff, make sure that we're getting safety campaigns done in a timely manner. And we have um, our purchasing managers on that one. Um, we've moved people around for that. For hourlies, we ask for, you know, try to solicit input, you know, people that want to come in. Um, some people get the voluntold. Um, yeah. I don't know of a better way to say that. No, probably in the start. I mean, probably yeah. Yeah. you need a little push. Um, the other thing is you can kind of sell it to the employee as we're going to take you off the floor. We're going to give you some responsibilities. And if you kind of, you know, if you have a progression in your facility, you know, the you know entry level to the highest hourly worker, and you know those people that are, you know, you want that are producing well and you want to give them to see if they can move up to the next level, it's a great opportunity to pull them out give them a little bit of responsibility, a little bit of accountability outside of their normal work and see how they do. That's a great idea. Yeah, um, I love that. One other thing we put some people into there is we've created a safety um, safety improvement process. So for employees that either had a safety violation or, uh, you know, have, you know, a number of incidents, doesn't have to be recordable, it's just a number of incidents. One of the things we usually end up doing is putting them into an element team that might be based on some of the issues they're seeing. Like, so if someone's having, you know, a bunch of slip, trip, and fall issues or that kind of stuff, we have a team that does, you know, uh, walking, working surfaces and, and engineering. We might put them into that team to help, you really? know. It's a little extra coaching, a little extra guidance. I love that. It's kind of like, you know, um, same thing with employees that complain a lot. Well, if I, had, <laughs> if I read this, you know, I could do all this stuff. Well, empower them. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it fixes two things. Either they, some of those people become the best ones. The other thing is they can't complain anymore because they have the power to do those right. things. Right, so absolutely. It's, you know, it's kind of a win-win. So, that, so. Was kind of, that was a question I actually wrote down. What I mean, every facility that I've ever worked with, um, there, is, there are a group of people in the facility that are always resistant. I mean, you've got, you've got people that you know you can go to without question and they will deliver. You know, they're on that side of the curve. And then you've got the majority of people probably under the curve and they're just waiting to be led probably. But you've got that, those, that tough ones on the other side of the curve. And I like the idea of including them to the extent that you can without them being a cancer to yeah, the... Yeah, of course. You know, that, so, I mean, some of them you just let them do their eight, eight, ten hours, whatever, and 
just don't hurt anybody kind of a yeah. thing? Well, I mean, you know, obviously we promote to everybody and we hold everybody to the expectation. You would hope that somebody's not intentionally doing sure. things to put themselves in harm's way. Um, but, you know, we do follow those types of things through disciplinary action if need be. But it's more about trying to empower them versus – you know, having to do some type of disciplinary action, yeah. things like that. And, and it, you know, a lot of times when we when we do have something, you find out that they were doing it for a reason that you didn't understand to begin with. And it's like, well, we can just take care of this issue and just eliminate it. And, st- you know, if you would have just brought it to us, we could have mm-hmm. done something different to fix mm-hmm. it. So sometimes those difficult individuals, um, you end up finding out that, oh, there was a way we could get around something they were yeah. doing. And, you know, that's hopefully at that point you've turned that employee to go, well, you know what, if I bring things up, I know they're going to take care mm-hmm. of them now. So, and, you know, you, you're, you're absolutely right. There's always, there's always some that are going to be difficult. Um, they, they don't have that, you know, worry about my own safety like we try mm-hmm. to drive to everybody. Mm-hmm. Because, honestly, I mean, we all know dealing with safety that if if you're not going to take your own personal safety um, seriously, right. we can train, we can, we can do all kinds of things for you day in and day out. But if you just don't have that mindset, it's very hard to keep them on the straight and narrow. It too. is. Yeah. And, and there's people like that. I yeah. mean, there really is. It's unfortunate, but well, I think everyone has to deal with that occasionally. But as you said, I think oftentimes it's just miscommunication yep. or a misunderstanding and they've, yep. they've developed a habit that they think is efficient or gets the job done that yep. they need. And, and maybe we just didn't even understand exactly. that. So, that's what, one of the things like I've learned over the years working in safety is usually the most like I don't want to throw this out there for anybody who's maintenance that's listening, but maintenance is usually the hardest group no not hardest nut to crack. Um, <laughs> that's why I always try to spend a lot of time in there not talking about safety, just stopping in, saying stuff, you know, what's going on, spending a lot of time with them, and then when they ask for things, try to turn around requests as fast as I possibly can, mm-hmm. um, because eventually. You know, after, you know, six months or so, hey, he actually is getting the stuff we want. He's actually doing this thing you, you know, we brought up. Right. Um, He's an advocate for us. So. Yeah, you, know, you know, that's that's the biggest thing is, you know, sometimes it's, you know, kill him with kindness. Um, but at the same <laughs> time, sometimes with, especially in the leadership rules, it's kind of like this train is moving. And if you can't jump on with everybody else, the train's going to mm-hmm. pass you by eventually. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, that's part of our goals and yep. responsibilities is safety. That's one of the things we're ranked on, reviewed on. Um, and if you're not being an active member in that, that's a performance issue. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it's, this is the direction we're going, and so you have to get on to some degree. I mean, yeah. you, you, can't be in the, you can't be an obstacle to this. No, no, no. no. So, and, and we're fortunate. You know, he brings up maintenance, but we are fortunate because I would say we have a very good yeah. – maintenance team that mm-hmm. has great buy-in to the mm-hmm. process um so we haven't had to really deal with that which is amazing because because it also they have to fix a lot of things that need to be corrected when it comes right. to safety so when something's brought up they know the urgency of it and go take care of it mm-hmm. so it's 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 great to see that we fortunately don't have that yeah issue. And, and maintenance people serve on the teams as well yep. oh yeah oh yeah we have, on the they're teams. almost on most yep. all of them are on the team. And the maintenance team manager right runs a team. Does so. he? Okay. Yep. He has so, the oh, uh, inspections, inspections team. team. Oh, yep. nice. Okay. So, Very so. good. Well, so as you mentioned in the beginning, Brady, I mean, you're not done, obviously. Okay. But you guys have done, uh, in my opinion, from my perspective, a remarkable job. I mean, I, I come up to the facility. I'm supposed to be up there to give you some guidance or input, and I'm usually just learning stuff that you're doing. Like, holy shit, I didn't know this. You know, I mean, it's been like an, a remarkable learning experience for me. Um, but I think we all understand that there is no end destination to this safety journey. So what, what's, what's next? What do, you, what do you do to fight the complacency or when people start thinking, man, we're really good at this? Yeah. What do you well, do with that? Well, and I remember, you know, when we did our last meeting with you, Doug, one of the questions you asked us was – what what's your concerns moving forward? And if you remember correctly, I said complacency. That yeah. was one of my big concerns. Yeah. And it's, you know, we're two, 
three years into this journey and um, complacency weighs in the back of my mind all the time. And I think it does Alex's too. And it's, how do you keep it fresh? You know, and you know, it, it does help when we have, you know, a yearly audit to, to do, we do six month internal audits of our own process to make sure that we are where we need to be. But it is about how do you keep that fresh and keep moving forward? I think the one thing that we have to do with our teams is, it's never good enough for safety. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, even five years from now, we're not done. They're, we're still going to keep moving forward. And, you know, I, I wish I had the ultimate answer on how we keep that, keep it yeah. fresh and keep it moving. I don't know at this point if I do. Maybe Alex does, but <laughs> so, we just got to keep moving and yeah. changing and keep it, keep it going. So yeah. one of the things with that, now that I'm taking over a little bit more of an auditor role too, I've been doing a lot of audits for this process at other facilities. Mm-hmm. So usually when, when this process gets rolled out, the first year it's kind of when the auditor comes in, it's, okay, sh- show me you have a lockout tagout program. Okay, you got one. Okay. You know, just show me you got this. We'll mm-hmm. kind of look at it and look at, you know, give it a high-level glance. The next year it's, okay, show me you have this, and let's look a little bit more deeper into this and try to pick some, you know, parts out of it. Third year it's like, okay, we're going to read this whole thing. We're going to make sure that everything, you know, then fourth year it's, okay, you missed a spelling on this one. You missed a dot on this. You know, it's. You just ratchet up the intensity. Yeah, and it's, you do that so that it's not, you know, you go in there and, oh, my God, this is the worst program I've ever read. What are you thinking? It's, okay, you have this program. Here's some ideas on how to guide this better. And it's that it's that little push, that nudge. It's, you know, the reinforcement. Yes, you are doing this. You are working on this. Thank you for doing that. Now let's try for this next year. Let's try to get these next things implemented. Let's try to, you know, you know, look at it some other locations. And that's one thing we do big is um, we reach out to other facilities in our company. I mean, um, I'll talk to a New Jersey plant. I'll talk to a Las Vegas plant, a Minnesota plant, and be like, hey, um, can I see your lockout take-up program? I want to compare it to mine mm-hmm. and see if maybe they have something that I completely missed or the team missed. And it's, oh, yeah, we should probably look at doing this. And it's just that. And then at the, once you start progressing enough, you have other locations reaching out to you to get stuff. And you get more like they, they start asking you questions that you might not have thought about and because they might have a slightly different operation. Mm-hmm. And it's just that type of communication and networking, not just within the facility, but across the company and the other um, post divisions also. So, Well, and the other thing is, is, you know, one way that we we're trying to do, you know, keep it fresh too, is bringing new things to the table all mm-hmm. the time, new programs, new new procedures, things like that. Really trying to set the standard, you know, and uh, we've done that with a with an ergo program that we're using now, and some different things, using some different types of tools that interest people mm-hmm. um, to keep that excitement going. Um, you know, we weren't unfortunately not able to have our, we do monthly town halls with all of our employees. We weren't able to do those during COVID, of course, Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're still struggling with COVID, I guess, but you know, it's not, not to the level that we can't social distance and do our town halls. And we've done, uh, the last two months we've been doing those again. I think that's our opportunity as a leadership team to get in front of everybody at once and send that consistent message. And, and unfortunately we weren't able to do that over the last eight months or so. Could you describe those in a little bit more detail? I mean, is this the entire company at once? Or are you doing multiple town halls multiples. for shifts? Yep. We do multiples. We, we blend the group some, but, um, we bring, we bring them in. We, right now we're actually doing them at the Legion hall in Wakefield mm-hmm. so they can split up. Usually it's in 10 different sessions that mm-hmm. we do it. So we make it to where it's convenient for the employee, not for us as a leadership team. So, um, we do them in the middle of the night. We do them early in the morning. Usually I don't sleep for about two days when right. we do them, so, right. you know, do it. but that's, it's important, you know, and you know, at these town halls, like I said, usually the first five to ten slides of the town hall is actually about where we're performing on safety, things we're working on, things we need people to do. Um, you know, being sure they're holding themselves and others accountable. We just we we drill it. And then we cover other things like how we're performing as a company and things like that. So it's a good it's a good way for us to keep it fresh, keep it in front of people. Um, we do toolboxes every day before shift. So, um, Alex has topics that are discussed every morning pre-shift before 
they go to work. Um, it, it, different things. I mean, I don't yep. know what all topics you have in there, but um, different things every day where they talk about a quick safety subject and then they talk about what they're going to do for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. So that's where I was saying earlier where that's always a topic for us. Is that led by the team leader or yep. the yep. Like a four-person Yeah, a lead person, a supervisor. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. then what we do is one, one thing I've noticed, you know, with toolbox talks and stuff, we would you used to give out like paragraph or half pages or pages of stuff for the supervisor to read. And after watching these people, it's like they're zoned out after the first five sure. sentences. <laughs> sure, absolutely. So we actually created um, week-long sheets, and there's just a short, like maybe three-sentence, four-sentence bullet point. That's a, It's actually almost all the stuff is pulled out of our plant rule books. And so it's reinforcing mm-hmm. those key things, you know, injury reporting, follow-ups, lockout, tagout, confined space. Not enough to overwhelm them, just enough to always keep it, you know, Something fresh, something on their mind. Something different. Yeah, something yeah. a little different. And so you do these town halls monthly, and everyone has an opportunity to come to those if they want to. Do they? Are they, is it mandatory? Do they uh, we do not do mandatory, um, but we can say that we have great attendance. Good, good attendance. So I mean, we usually pack the house, and it's tough to do when you're trying to social distance, <laughs> right. you know. So trying to keep everybody loosely apart. pack the house. Yeah, but, yeah, so. but. So one of the things that I hear frequently kind of in resistance to what you're describing is, you know, I ask people all the time, do you, how do you prefer to do your training? Would you rather do kind of a monthly training or do you want to do it all at once annually or, and everybody's resistant. Well, we can't get everybody together. We have a hard time getting everybody together. And I, you know, and that's just too, I mean, there's a huge cost to what you're describing that you absorb. Yeah. But it needs to happen. I mean, it's one of those that, I mean, if you do something quarterly or yearly, it's just not enough of a message. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got 400 employees, which is not a large facility compared to some by any means. But um, there's a, you know, it's important to get in front of them. And I can't see everybody every day. Alex can't see everybody every day. We do the best we can. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, there's just days that you're not able to get around to see everyone. So this is the opportunity for them to come here what we have to say, and the other part is they can ask questions. Um, there's there's been some tough questions before, you know, yeah, but course. good questions, you I'll know. Bet. So um, they've put me on the spot a few times, but that's fine because that's why we we give them that opportunity. Right. So I think that's remarkable. Uh, the monthly, I mean, the idea of doing that monthly, mm-hmm. uh, and that's is, not is, and is that's, remarkable to me. And that's not safety training. Yeah, so right. we do right. mo- we do monthly safety training on top of that, which is led by the supervisors or the managers. Um, so we do the monthly town halls. In addition, we do monthly uh, trainings. And some of those could be one or two topics. So they might have, you know, like I think we just sent out combustible dust training. So that's a 45-minute training that needs to be done. And then sanitation training might go out. So that's another, you know, 35, 40-minute training plus a town hall on top of it. So, I mean, it's a vi- it's a high – uh, financial cost to do that, sure, but wow. it's not. It's in the long run, it's cheaper than having people get burned or the plant blow up from combustible dust. Right. I mean, that's the that's the mindset of if we if we do safety and qual- food quality right, the rest will just come. I mean, it'll through the, through the process. If people know that they if they speak about safety concerns or quality concerns and they get fixed, they're gonna they're gonna talk about OEE and they're gonna talk about production improvements because they know it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. They can see the benefit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Putting in that investment is one of the biggest things. Is and understanding, you know, if you put the money in there, you're going to get more money at the end. Yeah, that's a that's that's hard for a lot of people to get their head around. Yeah. And I think that is their struggle. They are all they see is the immediate cost of that, and maybe and they they view that as maybe um, an obstacle to production or whatever it is they do. And uh, but you know, we have seen, I've seen. I've been fortunate to see this in, in a few facilities. You obviously believe in it. And if we can get them just to embrace that, I think they're, they're all going to reap the benefits from it. But it is a, it's hard to take that yeah. step. It's a, it's a leap of faith to some extent. Well, and I mean, especially if you're, you know, if you're a corporate-driven company, you got to have the back of your corporate. Mm-hmm. And those smaller businesses, I'm sure it is tough swallowing that financial mm-hmm. piece up front, but it is so worth it at the end mm-hmm. of the day. I mean, it it, it just it, it it gets more ownership out of your employees all the way around yeah. if you engage them in safety up front. So, and just the importance of going home safe every day. I mean, you yeah. just can't. It, it's a tough day for us when somebody gets hurt, oh, and of we course. have to. I mean, as minor as it might be, 
you know that they're going home with some type of pain or ache, and it's just not what we want to see at the end of the day. Yeah. What about um, – we've got a little bit of time left, man. What about training? This is something that challenges everyone, and you've talked a lot about training. How, how do you deliver training? What different ways have you guys – found to deliver training so lots of it is um so one of our element teams is training <laughs> so mm-hmm. we have set guidelines of what topics we need to cover and i've been working in safety for many years and there was even some topics on that list i'm like yeah and i really thought like egg combustible dust why do we have combustible dust training well we did testing with and it is flammable so <laughs> we're gonna do combustible <laughs> dust materials training. yeah I mean, organic you know, materials too yeah and um you know some of those type of things what we'll do is um that myself, the safety team, or element leads will create the trainings. We'll send it out to our element two team, which is training. As a group, they review that to make sure everything looks right. It makes sense. Um, and there's only – that team's made up of HR, OJTs, so you got a little bit of floor presence on there, and then the safety department, um, some assistance and stuff like that. And the goal of them is to, A, check it for spelling, check it, make sure it makes sense, but also to make sure it makes sense in a layman's terms to people that not, might not necessarily um, be on the f- – have the processing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, safety people like to get wordy. I know I do sometimes, and I might get a little <laughs> a little too high in my explanation sure, of stuff. of course. So it's not dumbing it down, but it's making it so that it's – uh, relatable to the employees on the floor right? Um, and making sure they're actually getting value out of the training. So we do a lot of that type of training for um, affected training and then awareness training. Authorized level, we do train the trainers. Um, we do that for almost every authorized class except for lockout, tagout, um, and confined space. Um, the safety department is the only one that's auth- that I have authorized to give those just because okay. of – how significant, significant. they are. I mean, yeah. blackout tagout training, just the classroom portion of it, you're looking at an hour and 20, hour and 30 minutes. Right. Because that's not something you just throw into orientation and say, here, go ahead and go. Right. It's that plus hands-on, plus evaluation, you know, we, and a quiz. It's We're going to spend the time and do it right, okay? Because if I spend an extra 30 minutes training somebody on this, it's going to save them from getting hurt and then me having to spend, or, you know, and a bunch of people spend a bunch of time fixing things and, doing a bunch of stuff later on. Spend the time up front, reap the rewards later. Mm-hmm. Um, we bring in consultants sometimes to do some training. Um, for, like, aerial scissor lift, we'll bring in our vendor who supplies us those. It's a little bit expensive, but go to your subject matter experts, utilize them. Um, we use Granger reps sometimes for stuff like that, vendors, um, that kind of stuff. Nice. It just helps out. Uh, we're trying to bring in some training. We were we were working on the OSHA Training Institute to come in on site and do machine guarding with one of our element teams. Then COVID happened, so that kind of yeah. got pushed off to the side. But trying to use reach out to the, um, the OSHA Training Institutes, like there's one in Wit at uh, in Sioux City that can help us, um, and doing a lot of that kind of stuff. Nice. I like that. I, I think. I use subject matter experts to help me with my stuff. I'm, I'm working right now with a company that needs ha- whopper training. They've got some hazardous materials, and they intend to respond to any type of releases. I mean, that's just the nature of these this company. And so um, while I have a little bit of background in that, I was on the OSHA team. I'm not an instructor, and so I've you know enlisted the support of one of my buddies who's a hazardous materials freak. <laughs> and uh, loves that stuff. He loves playing with blowing stuff up and stuff. You know. yep. Hopefully, yep. that won't be part of the training. Under control. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Typically. So yeah, I think bringing in subject matter experts and probably, you know, we all we all get a little bit um, habituated to hearing the same voice over and over. If our supervisor is doing yep. all the training, or if they're hearing it from one person, I think it gets stale pretty quickly. Yep. And even even on some of that, especially training like hazmat training and confined space rescue training. Um, we have switched since I've been here to some different vendors and the plan is to switch different companies a little bit, you know, keep them for a couple of years, switch back and forth. That way, you know, some companies are very, that do these outside trainings, they're very focused on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and every once in a while, it's good to bring in a different type of trainer or different from a different company that has maybe a little bit different experience to show you some other opportunities that you can use to advance. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just like that. You know, if every year, you know, Bob's coming in to give me the same training, you know, hey, Bob, you know, same as last year. Yep. Okay. You know, bring somebody else in. Um, yeah. Just change it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So um, you guys mentioned this briefly. 
and somewhat in passing, how did COVID affect the plant? Uh, um, overall, not not too bad. Um, you know, it it got pretty bad in northeast Nebraska mm-hmm. for a while, especially with yeah, right that. across the river with, uh, you know, you got Sioux City and you got the packing plants and things like that. But um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't too bad uh, November. Weird in November for some reason. Mm-hmm. We just out of the blue started to see – um, some cases, but a lot of it was really around uh, close contacts. Sure, um, sure, is why people were out. Um, we've been very diligent about masks. Um, we put up, we didn't have a lot of opportunity to put up um, plexiglass guards and stuff mm-hmm. like you saw them doing mm-hmm. in in like uh, Tyson and things like that. But um, just with the nature of the work, but um, we have people that are doing sanitizing of the break rooms every couple hours and um, trying to social distance mm-hmm. as much as we can. And and that was one thing. I mean, I was putting out uh, a company letter about every month, just reminding people, you know, what you do at home affects us <laughs> right. here. So exactly. so try to be diligent. Yes. And I can tell you, even around the community of Wakefield overall, um, it uh. It's been it's been pretty good the response to wearing masks and and things like that. I I think overall you are starting to see people lax a little bit. Unfortunately, yeah, weather's getting nice. The you know, know there's a vaccine all of a sudden. You know, yeah. so that, are uh, you guys a a high priority for the vaccinations? We actually are getting vaccines next Tuesday. Are you good? So, oh, that's yeah. terrific. I'm glad it's to hear set that. up for for the entire Wakefield so farm and uh, mm-hmm. processing. Oh, we're, we're able to do it next. Well, actually, the next two. Tuesdays they're going to do it Good. so exciting news but overall I would say we compared to what a lot of companies went mm-hmm. through we were minimally impacted but we were very diligent about it up yeah front I think today, what so. I think what people seem to forget is that if you're in the food industry you are focused on cleaning disinfection housekeeping anyway I mean you know, there's been, you know, I think people outside the industry have been very critical of food processing in general and they yeah. You know, they make some uh, unfounded comments from time to time. I work with a number of like chicken, meat processors, and they are working their asses off yeah. to address this to the to the tune of millions of dollars just in PPE and, as you said, plexiglass and those things. Yeah, yeah. We we actually put a team together, and it was seriously. We sat down with blueprints and cut out sections for everything. Okay. Everybody, okay, where's everybody stand? Oh okay, yeah. let's measure. Okay, this person's a medium risk. This person's a low risk. How are we going to change this job? Okay, if we move them farther down the line, they're by themselves. Okay, we're good. So we actually did a documented risk assessment of everywhere where everybody stands. You guys are really and, <laughs> and made sure I mean, We had to put some plexiglass up for stuff. A few places. Um, yeah. But a lot of it was able to be fixed by administrative controls, like yeah. changing break rotations, yeah. limiting break, exp- you know, break rooms. Um, change startup time so that multiple departments weren't in the oh, same break room at a time. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's you nice. know, punch. You know, the punch-in clock seems to be, like, the problem. You know, <laughs> right. you got 20 people waiting to punch in at one time so they're not late staggering that out we actually went down the hallway and put big signs up stand here stand here <laughs> um and Bray's talking about the cleaning of the offices and stuff i remember the first time i came in on a saturday or a sunday i don't remember what day it was there's nobody in the office it was like brady he's always there on weekends. <laughs> right. and I, I walk I in i walk in, in i walk in there and i'm working and all of a sudden i see this lady come by washing down the handle of my door <laughs> and then she comes in and washes down my desk yeah. and i'm like it's the weekend. What are you doing? There's no yeah. one up here. And then I even yeah. asked him, he's like, well, you know, keep them on a schedule. This, is, go the this is the routine. They're going to keep doing it. I'm like, all right, I'm fine with that. That's funny. Well, I, I literally did a, I did a 10-hour class probably last spring up at Lincoln Poultry, and we had a huge conference room for six people. And so we were all, <laughs> you know, I'm shouting at the people in the yeah. back. But literally over the course of that 10 hours, I'll bet um, someone came Came by and washed the door handle thirty four times. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd hear somebody behind me. I'd turn around because, as an OSHA guy, I don't like people behind me. Or a for, former OSHA guy, and there'd be somebody scrubbing the doorknob. But we hadn't left. We had. I mean, I mean, they just got into this routine yeah. and they just and we, stuck to it. We kind of lucked out on the PPE thing. Um, yeah. We never really ran out. Um, we I got can, really diligent up front. Yeah. We would have been more diligent. Alex came in and said, we better do something about this. It's like, just hold on a little bit. <laughs> right. And then like a week later, we're buying everything. He's like, I told you. We <laughs> right. well, I, well, what he doesn't know is I actually started buying some stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Um, but, but then no, we started buying it on mass levels at that yeah, point. And so. I mean, that was one of the, that was one of the things. I, I remember my first year that I went into safety, it was HR safety, 
I think it was H1N1 came out. Oh, yeah. And everybody freaked out and was buying stuff. And I remembered how hard it was to get stuff. I'm <laughs> Absolutely. Like, we should probably start buying stuff. But then it's like, you know, you start knowing, you know, oh, I got to get safety glasses. I got to get masks. I got to get gloves. I got to get all this stuff. I forgot face shields. You know, it's like, and then it's like, we're out of face shields. And those were almost impossible to find. So it's going yeah. on. It's seriously like I got 16 different vendors for like hours. Okay. I can order one from here. I can order oh one gosh. from here. I can order four from here. I can order. We actually have a trailer outside with spare PPE on it. Just in well, case. yeah. I mean, where so, would you put it all? I mean, yeah, yeah we have a trailer. No one has and, extra and It was never like, like hoarding <laughs> amounts, but no, it was enough right. that we would need, get we us by for a co- in the building th- yeah. that we couldn't store the building and keep us at least enough for at least one to two months stock. Yeah. yeah no one and, has room to actually hoard stuff. I don't know where, you know, <laughs> but, not that I've ever seen. And well, the, even the mask. I mean, you know, honestly, when we went, to the mask um people were starting to wear them in the plan already but we hadn't mandated it and i honestly think when we mandated it it was just it was we didn't get any resistance it was more of a sigh of relief, relief that almost. we were requiring it mm-hmm. um so we went from having no masks to having to find them very quickly when yeah. we ended up doing that i mean we we were shopping all over the place trying to find yeah, the things so. we, we got hit with a little bit of an issue we got some masks that came in from canada and then we get them and it's like no Nope, those are just going away. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there was a lot of that hokey pokey that was going around right, right. when this happened. And it, yeah, you know, we could have thrown it out there, but it's like, no, this stuff doesn't look right. So I we're agree. just yeah. going to. And it's really, I mean, fr- from the standpoint of industrial hygiene, as an industrial hygienist, we, we've done a lot of damage to uh, people's understanding of face coverings and respiratory protection and all of these things. We're going to have a lot of work to yep. do to try to, because we've gone from, you know, face coverings are typically mandatory everywhere I go. Most plants require some type of face covering, but I see a lot of the, you know, the guys that are wearing the little neck gaiters, that little neck gator thing. And man, it is always, and they're just constantly messing with that thing. And these things are, you know, by the end of an eight or 10 hour day, you've eaten so many fibers out of these little surgical type masks. You're just, you know, it's like, I like, I got like a hairball at the end of the day. It's down to about single layer by the end of the day. And the the good thing for us is we have a, we have drying operations. So a lot of our employees, we fit test to the, you know, 8511, 3Ms, Mm -hmm. you know. um, So they knew a lot of them already were comfortable wearing those because we require them for that. Um, And, it was it was hard though because in the past it was like oh someone would come up oh yeah you want some eighty five elevens here's a box take it out there sure. to oh you want one bring me your dirty one so I can give you another one and it's well, you know there was a limit to our generosity th- there was like I mean at the time those things were like gold I mean <laughs> they were insane and um, I laughed I started you know I'd be traveling I'd be looking at stuff and these people are walking through the airports or whatever and they have the you know the eighty five eleven with the exhalation valve <laughs> right. I'm like okay you're safe but everybody Nobody else is at risk exactly. so you know people that didn't know what the stuff was and they're grabbing rant I saw a guy wearing a canister thing and I'm walking around I'm like I'm looking at him like that's an organic vapor one I don't think that's going to help you right. with it. <laughs> but, but again they don't know I, I know that my wife is a school teacher and um I have a box, or I had a box of N95s in my car that I just kept with me all the time. And one day I realized, my, where'd, where'd my N95s go? <laughs> my my wife has them, you know. She's wearing them, and my, and my wife is all in on on COVID, man. She is uh, N95 with a mask over the top, with a face. I mean, we are traveling to Denver on a plane next weekend to see one of my sons, and um, she's already describing to me what she intends to do. I mean, it's uh, I mean. It sounds like she's the Granger rep. Just well put an SCBA on it. Give her a level A suit and an SCBA and just check the bag, you know, put it up there, tube hanging down. I, I you know, more comfortable than wearing all the crap. That, and I know she's going to look at me like, I mean, I'll wear this face covering. Absolutely. I have no objection to that. But she's talking about the study she read where it can get in through your eye, the mucosa of your eye. And I'm like, I'm probably not going to wear safety glasses on the plane. I wear them all every day where I, you know, so we'll see. But, you know, I, I'm looking forward to, you know, some of this just passing. I'll, I'll be really, I'm really looking forward it's to that. It's time to enjoy the outside yeah, and not man. have to worry about it. Absolutely. So. And today, you guys, I know you're going to be in town for a little. You get, maybe you can have a nice lunch outside, yeah, yeah, you take bet. you to lunch somewhere you on bet. a nice patio. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Yeah. Well, so what, what's the plan for the future? What do, you, do you have anything in mind what, going forward? I mean, you've obviously, you're, you're, I would assume you're satisfied with how things have progressed. Yep. I mean, from my perspective, you guys are doing a remarkable job. I, you know, I've, I've only seen two or three transformations like this in my experience. 
um, where where we and, and again we're not going from zero. You obviously had yeah. systems Programs. in place yep. and you were doing things that were in place, but the level that you've reached is really remarkable. I uh, you know I brag about you guys all the time. So. Um, and I and I give them your phone number, so I hope that's exce- yeah. <laughs> okay. My, my, you know, Brady talked about on call. My phone has its own little pillow next to my bed, uh-huh. so you know, you know. Yeah, but do you, what, do you have some some ideas where you want to go going forward? I mean, I mean, I think I think the biggest thing is, yeah, we've we've achieved a lot, and we know that we have, and we're very proud of the mm-hmm. things that we've done. But it really is about keeping that focus moving forward. I mean, to to sit and say we've got a, all these things we have to do necessarily. I, we're not in that position anymore, mm-hmm. um, but we have to continue to improve. Um, we have to find new ways to keep it fresh, keep it keep uh, keep improving programs, um, new technologies, whatever mm-hmm. it might take. But um, it it really is um, about maintaining, but also continuing to improve. I would say, as far as a master plan. I'm sure Alex has one in his mind, mm-hmm. but um, it, it really is. It this is almost harder to be right honest with you. At Where we're point, at right now, I, I wouldn't. I, I, wouldn't I don't know if you. It, oh, it, this year, I this, think we're this to, year's we're, actually harder than it yeah, has been. We're in a tough position right now mm-hmm. because we've done so much, and it, the results have been amazing. Now it's about finding that next thing to keep moving right. forward that is so that we don't get complacent and go back. That's not a place where we want to go. So, I, you know, we probably got a couple tough years ahead of yeah. us, to be right honest with you, keeping mm-hmm. things moving. And, and I have no doubt that we have the right team in place to Good. get it done. Everybody has a passion for it. Um, so it really isn't that that we we are overly concerned about that going back, but it's about how do you – how do you keep moving forward even though – because, you know, we were taking those huge, giant leaps before. Everything we did made a huge improvement, huge improvement. Now it's little little jumps, little steps mm-hmm. all the way forward. But um, that's that's going to be the big thing for, for me anyways. What do you think, Alex? So the biggest thing I can say is, like, I used this analogy the other day. It's like kind of like I feel like the guy who's running around spinning the plates on the sticks, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and – we got this all this plate spinning. Now I need to go around and put some nicer plates on. You know, it's improving. It's making yeah, sure we're yeah. still doing that and at the same time still maintaining everything going. You know, we new processes or improvements, but we still have to make sure we're not losing sight of the things we put into place. Right. Um and improving that way. The other thing is trying to build the team up more and make them more and more self-reliant, more and more self-confident sure. in what they're doing. Um, you know, my ultimate goal as a safety person is to make my job redundant, to make it so they don't need to have me. It's, right. you know, they should have – everybody's a safety person. You yeah. know, that's the ultimate goal. Don't tell – I shouldn't have told that to my boss. But, you know, it's to make sure that, you know, I like, you know, the day where you can come in and, you know, things are being done, you know, it's all just on auto. You know, that would be a glorious thing that's multiple years down the road, but making sure those systems are in place, they're working, everybody knows what's going on, and they're trained properly on how to use them. Mm -hmm. Well, the greatest achievement for us would be when we walk away someday that Mm -hmm. it's able to sustain itself and keeps keeps moving forward whether we're there or not. Right, that you are not the most integral part of this process. Because that's not the point of the process that we run. Mm -hmm. Uh, The process is the team. So yeah. when anybody steps away, it should be able to continue to function whether they're there or not. And that's so. actually um, one of our corporate auditors, every team, every time. If you win the lottery and you're gone tomorrow, you always ask the team lead that, you know, who's going to take your spot and are they able to just slide right in there and do that? You know, it's making sure you built in that bench strength that if something, you know, someone got promoted, moved to another facility – you can have somebody slide up and not lose a step. Just keep mm-hmm. going. Cause That's it's, actually an interesting question. You know, trying to keep them so that they understand they're not, you know, it's a team. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody needs to know what everybody else is doing. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I might actually add that to my uh, list. That's a great question. Is it sustainable in your absence? Yep. I mean, if you're the driver, is there someone who's going to fill in that role if you would happen to be, you know, absent at some point i think that's a great note to end on guys that was fantastic thanks again for coming down i love the story and uh as you guys know i'm a huge fan 
You're doing a great job, and yep. so now I just send people to Alex all the time when they call and ask me questions. <laughs> I get, like, I get like random emails popping up, and I'm like, oh, this is from Doug's group. Okay, Doug, so let's yeah. answer that. Doug Fletcher said to call you about this. <laughs> He's either one lazy son of a bitch or whatever. <laughs> uh, my consultant is sending me to you. That's, uh, Don't worry, I'll send you a bill later on. That's, that's right, man. Just keep track sub, of the sub, hours. Subcontracting, you know, like yeah. independent contractor If whatever. you can find me in five years, I will happily pay that bill. <laughs> so we'll see. Guys, thank you very much. Have a great day in Omaha. It should be very exciting. Yeah. And um, I look forward to continuing working with you. Thanks yep. for being part of our groups, as you mentioned. Yep. Uh, that's an important part. I mean, it's great to have somebody in the group that can model some of these things to the people that are trying to learn these things. And Brady, thanks, man. Um, you know, I've always been impressed by, you know, the way that you're running this ship, man, or leading yep. this effort. So, Well, we appreciate everything you've done with us. Yeah. It's been nice working with you over it the last has been, It's years, been a pleasure, so. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And looking forward to the continued partnership. I hope sure. so, too. So. I hope and, so, too. And Doug, thanks for all, you know, putting up the group for Omaha and making sure that, you know, because sometimes safety people just need to have that group to, you know, bounce things off, and it's it helps a lot. I, I totally agree. It, it is a support group more than anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, we a, call a, it networking, <laughs> but what we're really doing is, hi, I'm Doug, and I'm a safety professional. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Doug. I mean, I've been to those too. So. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it that you know, taking time and doing that is is very good, and it helps. You know, we got new people that are always joining the fields, and absolutely, it's, it's a great opportunity to uh, network, and you know. Safety can be a hard thing, especially if the company culture isn't there yet. Mm -hmm. You know, having yeah, you that resource. you can get a little isolated. To, you can feel a little isolated at yep. times. So it's nice to have people that understand and sympathize, perhaps. So anyway, thanks for listening, guys. All we right. appreciate it. Uh, thanks again to my sponsors, CCS Group and uh, Nebraska Department of Labor on-site consultation. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your help. Everybody have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Later. Ahura Media Production.